1: Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, in which we'll be looking ahead to stories here in the UK and elsewhere that could move some of the markets in the days ahead. I'm Robert Miller. This week, we may not be able to predict the final outcome of the election, but we will take a look at the postponed interest rate decision, the Bank of England's quarterly inflation report, and the unemployment rate here at home in Britain. On the corporate front, we'll be finding out what to expect from a trio of housebuilders. I'm joined by Richard Fletcher, Business Editor of The Times, Catherine Hopkins, our Property Correspondent, and Philip Aldrich, Economics Editor and Columnist for The Times. Welcome to you all. Philip, let's start with you and the interest rate decision for this month. No change, I take it?
2: No, six years it's been at 0.5%. I think it's a safe bet to say that it's not going to be any different on Monday at noon when they announce it. The quantitative easing as well, 375 billion, nothing's going to have changed on Monday.
3: When when do we expect the um, first interest rate rise, Phil?
2: The US is going to be the ones who move first on interest rates, so uh, we're probably going to go three to six months after... The U.S. At the moment, uh, the markets are speculating that the first rise will be in the beginning of uh, 2016. So we've got another year before rates rise. That that could actually change. Uh, The Bank of England uh, is publishing its inflation report uh, this week, and that sets out its its projections for the economy, its projections for inflation, and those are the two key metrics that they're looking at with regard to uh, when to raise rates. And it's and uh, we've seen actually signs that uh, inflation may be may not be as depressed for as long uh, as as the bank had thought at its last inflation report in february so it may well be that uh, come wednesday at the inflation report conference the uh, the signs will be that
3: uh, interest rates may be rising
2: earlier than the beginning of 2016 maybe towards the back end of 2015
3: cuz cuz april's mpc was appeared to be slightly more hawkish didn't it, 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 it yeah
2: absolutely there was a there was a very technical uh, comment of how the uh, yield curve was too flat and what this means is that the uh, market expectations of in future interest rate rises was far too slow in in the rate of increase it was more to do with the uh, with the rate of increase over the next few years rather than the f- rather than the start date but it was but it was definitely um, a sign that, uh, that the Bank of England is is signaling to the markets that interest rates sh- they should be thinking about interest rate rises at the very least
0: at the same time do you still think there's a chance that certain members like Andy Holdane could vote for a cut
2: well it's is looking less likely the deflation threat seems to be diminishing we've got oil prices rising that they're, they're higher than uh, what the Bank of England thought back in uh, February uh, uh, so and also you've had this bond market route in across Europe and across the world and the markets seem to seem now to be discounting the possibility of sort of endless economic stagnation of, of of non-stop slow growth so uh it looks increasingly unlikely that uh we're going to have a, a, a rate cut but you can never count things out because you, know, you could have a Greece crisis or something blows up in the emerging markets
3: just one last just sort of slightly uh, left field question are we we have seen some suggestion that on Wednesday, we may get some more information on how um, the bank is going to change how it releases the minutes. We obviously had Andrew Sentence write uh, on this subject for us a few weeks ago. He's, he's a former MPC member. He's not very impressed with this idea. That we're going to get the minutes released on the, at the same time as the decision. Do you think we may hear more about that next week?
2: Uh, yeah, it's a possibility. That that is due to start in August, so um, this will be the last big set piece before before that starts. Uh, the the so the way that they're going to. Do it in future is that they will release the the statement which uh, which explains the decision alongside the decision itself because currently you get you get the Bank of England has raised rates or has done nothing and then and then not even a single sentence to explain it you know they do they do think that providing some kind of explanation uh, at the same time is useful the problem with that is that, uh, it is that you end up uh, rushing the uh, the process of expl- of explanation and so you, and so it isn't it isn't as clear as waiting two weeks and really Considering uh, how to present the explanation, which is the way that they currently do it. Although well, they are, they are the only, the only central bank who, who who waits a couple of weeks, so they need to catch up with the rest of them. It's a good and, argument.
1: And of course, the MPC will have seen, had early sight of these employment figures. we expecting wage growth. I suppose is what most people are interested in, and the unemployment, the the bottom line. What's it going to be?
2: Unemployment five five point five five point six. It was five point six uh, last time. Uh, it the uh, purchasing manager indices uh, acti- private sector activity data suggest that unemployment will have fallen by another 200,000 which which could bring it down to bring it down to 5.5 percent I mean we're pretty much at the neutral rate we're, we're not far above the neutral rate of employment which would suggest that wages should be picking up now and and the the, the, the there was softness in the in the recent wage data which did uh, raise some concerns clearly if it Picks up to two percent if the annual um, weekly earnings rate picks up to two percent to two two and a half percent that'll be that'll be looked at reasonably favourably and again it would be another reason to think that interest rate rises could be moving closer. Obviously this is all dependent on the election which could which can ap- can change the complexion of a monetary policy on a on a whim. So well,
1: Catherine, if people feel richer, I suppose is in the end going to feed through into the uh, housing market and on the corporate watch this week we've got trading updates from. Barry developments, uh, Galliford Trial and Bovis Homes, well it's got an annual general meeting. What do you think they're going to tell us collectively about the state of the UK housing market?
0: I think they're all likely to report that sales and demand are still strong when we've got a backdrop of super low mortgage rates, zero inflation and as Phil said households are going to start to feel better this year. What I think they will say and this is what others have said in the past few weeks is that there will probably have been a slight slight slowdown in activity in the run-up to the election as people hold back decision-making until they see who's in the next government?
1: I mean, Richard, housebuilders an important sector. I mean, a couple of them, FTSE 100 and Galliford Trier 250 Company, I don't think the market's going to react to the uncertainty
3: in the housing market at the moment. Well, the house builders have obviously performed superbly since they all recapitalised after the uh, financial crisis. In fact, they are cyclical stocks and they can be affected, and the outcome of the election may also have an effect um, in terms of the effect that uh, the, the London house, the London market could have if we do see a mansion tax. So it'll be interesting to see uh, this week how they do perform. They're one of the stocks I would definitely be keeping an eye on in, in the aftermath of the election,
2: it would be, isn't it, going to be pretty good whoever wins because building more homes is kind of central to all of the parties' manifesto pledges, isn't it? i um, you know, Labour, Labour in particular. So these are the guys who are going to be doing the the building. Although you've got Labour who could crack down on their land banking, I suppose.
0: I think this is the first time that all three main parties have been so aligned in terms of believing that house building is so important, which is very good for the house builders, but. A lot of them think that their targets are too optimistic. I think the Lib Dems are saying that they're going to build around 300,000 a year and Labour are going to build around 200,000. But last year we only built 118,000. So unless they seriously change the planning laws, address our skill shortage, then it's just not going to happen.
2: Oh yeah, because we don't even have enough bricks at the moment, do we?
0: Yeah, we don't have enough bricks, we don't have enough brickies, we don't have enough plasterers, so it's going to be difficult to get to 300,000 homes a year.
3: And because they have these land banks, they, kind of, they also benefit if they don't build houses, don't they?
0: Yes, yeah, they do, and that, that's what Labour is, is trying to tackle with its policy of use it or lose it. But it's going to be interesting how that would actually work in practice from a legal background.
1: Almost comes back to the full circle, doesn't it? We were talking about interest rates earlier. If there was this much heralded interest rate decision uh, coming down in the first hike, is that going to affect confidence in the housing market, or will people feel better off anyway?
2: Well, the, the statistics on a number of households who, that have uh, sort of high levels of debt that makes them vulnerable to interest rate rises uh, would suggest that when the rate rises start, there are going to be households who do suffer, and then you could, see, you could definitely see a little bit of the froth coming out of, the, out of, the, um, out of house price growth. You know, the, the Bank of England has been very clear that the, the, the rate rises, if they can control it, will be gradual. Uh, as, long as, as long as they're gradual, then you would expect... You'd expect it to be absorbed by higher wages.
0: We saw that with the mortgage market review that cooled the market a bit but it seems to have been priced in now and activity in um, mortgage lending and both house prices are sort of starting to pick up again now and I think if you just had a half point rise, the same thing would happen. It would cool activity a bit, but then it would recover.
3: Some of the surveys I've seen recently, Catherine, have we started to see the rest of the UK sort of overtake London? The thoth's come off a bit off the sort of London market, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, especially in prime central London. I think the latest figures show that transactions are down almost 40% in the past year, and um, most sort of outfits are predicting that prices will actually drop in prime central London, and it will actually be the the southeast, which will have the fastest growing house prices this year.
1: In terms of the builders, and you mentioned their planning laws, is anything that any of them can really do, any government uh, can do in the short term, or has this got to be a long term thing?
0: I think this has got to be a long-term thing. And from speaking to analysts and builders, I think their biggest concern in terms of what could hold back house building is actually the skill shortage. And this is something that you have to go back to schools to deal with and make sure people have the right skills and they don't think that a house building is an inferior career to enter
1: this is where i suppose we get the end of the problem of migration and unskilled and, and labor as you say you've got to go back to school but this has been richard a perennial cry from the cbi every year for as long as i can remember we need more skills started at basic level in school and it's still not happened generations later has it really
3: no, it hasn't, and we'll always have a debate about skilled labour and, and, and immigration. I mean, the interesting thing about the shortage of bricks is, I'm sure we've been writing that story for 12 months, but I, I, last time I looked, there were still bricks in... Uh, There's still life in it. There is, yeah. There is still life in it, like all good stories.
1: Well, the, the,
2: the chairman of... And McCarthy and Stone, I think. Now, John White, he used to be chief executive and then chairman of Persimmon, which is
3: Britain's biggest house builder.
2: He started life as a brickie hims- himself on the, you know, carrying
3: a hod uh, around. And, so. and, and Tony Pitchley, who's obviously chairman of Barclay, again, started life on the, uh, working on the site.
0: And one more, Greg Fitzgerald, who's actually stepping down. Um, he's going to be replaced in October. He started at Galliford Try as a tea boy over 30 years ago.
1: Well, hope for us all. I'll say that from my side anyway. Thanks very much. And just a quick reminder, we'll also be hearing uh, from EasyJet, Tui Travel, SAB Miller, and keeping up with that brewing theme, Marston's and Mitchells and Butler's they are going to release earnings also. You can check out all those results and the latest breaking stories as they happen on our Business Now live blog. That's at the business pages of our website. And don't forget Time subscribers can also sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails to keep up to date with all the news wherever you are. And if you don't have a subscription, you can get one with a special £1 offer by simply going to thetimes.co.uk. My thanks to Catherine Hopkins, Richard Fletcher, Philip Aldrich, and of course, they're all on Twitter. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.
3: Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.